Why do why do we gossip? Good question. Um uh, we gossip because we have nothing better to do, make time pass. Why do we gossip? Uh, I think to feel better about ourselves and to uh, attach ourselves to the other person that we're gossiping with, to connect. We want to compare our own to theirs. We want to see that they're just as valuable as we are, that they make just as many mistakes. Most uh, likely because it's kind of fun and it's kind of interesting and it plays to that low part of everybody. And it makes people feel like better to talk about other people's damage and brokenness. It seems inbuilt in human nature, though there are people who don't gossip particularly. I suppose the person who's gossiping gets a certain satisfaction out of what they're saying, even though it may be not very pleasant or very nice, it may be harmful. It's the one time we get to completely forget about our own flaws and just focus on other people's. So there's a certain amount of joy in going like, you know what, you know what that guy really needs to do if he wants to improve his life? And then you go through all the things that they should do and really a lot of it you should probably do as well. Talking about someone in no way, shape or form helps you or helps them. But if you talk to the person as opposed to talking about them, you actually get somewhere. My wife and I often make little deals with each other regarding dessert. Uh, we love dessert. Uh, my waistline shows it after every holiday season. Chocolate and I get along really, really well. Uh, the deals we make are something like this. Okay, let's not have desserts on the, we on the weekdays, and we can only have dessert on the weekends. Okay, I don't know if you guys have made any of those deals before. Sarah and I often will make these deals with one another. And so not long ago, we made one of those deals. And it was a, a Monday night. My wife and I go to some church event, and we had dropped our, off decks uh, at Nana and Papa's house. And so then at the end of the night, we're done with the church stuff. We get back, we go pick up um, decks at Nana and Papa's. And so we walk in, and we're like, oh, hi, son. And did you have fun at Nana and Papa's house? Oh, did you go poo-poos? Ooh, gross, you and poo-poos. Ew. And we're talking with Dex and having a great time. And we're kind of in this back room where he likes to play. And... Uh, and while, like, Nana and Papa are kind of sharing a little bit about Dex and how the night went, I kind of, like, sneak away a little bit, okay? And I, I tiptoe my way into the kitchen, and I open the pantry. I had no bad intentions. I just wanted to look around. What snacks are available? What snacks can't I eat? Because it's a Monday night. Um, and so I look, and nothing looks that appetizing at all. And so I'm getting ready to close the pantry door. I turn the light off, uh, and then... Uh, I don't know if it caught my ear or if it caught my eye, but there was an opened box of Milk Duds at the bottom right of the pantry. It was as if they started speaking to me. Psst, John, down here, down here. I'm like, what? We shouldn't be doing this. And they're like, come on, no one's around. Please. Uh, and I go, okay. So I grab a couple of those Milk Duds and I put them in my mouth and I, they were delicious. They were also very chewy. And so I'm in the pantry, in the dark, chewing these milk duds. <laughs> and Sarah goes, John, come here. Dex wants to show you something. And I was like, oh, no. And, <laughs> and so 
So I'm chewing as fast as I can. I get back into the room where Dex is, and I'm hoping I can just kind of watch and smile, like, you know, like, that's cool, son. And then as soon as I walk in the room, Sarah goes, what were you doing? So now I got to open my big fat mouth, and I say, eating Milk Duds in the pantry by myself. (laughs) It's humiliating. Caught red-handed, cheeks full of chocolate. My mouth testified against me. And so does yours, right? With our negativity, with the words we speak, with our gossip, our mouths testify against us. We are in week two of our word sermon series. And this morning, we're going to look at some of the more prevalent ways we fall short with our words. If you have your Bibles, go near the end of the Bible to the book of James. James is a straight shooter. You'll see it right away. James chapter three, and the verses will be on the screens as well. Starting in verse two, it says this. We all stumble in many ways. Amen. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. God, I pray that you bless the reading of your word. I pray that you'd help us to understand it and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. James is preaching here, right? Uh, He uses illustration after illustration to paint word pictures of what he's trying to say. And so first he uses horses as an example. Verse 3, we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Horses weigh between 1,000 and 2,200 pounds. They are strong, okay? There's a video of a tug of war between 18 grown men and one horse. It's not even close, right? And it's just one horsepower, one horsepower dominating these 18 men. Yet, these massive steeds can be controlled and moved by one little tiny piece of metal called a bit. So it is with our words. James continues, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Ships. They cross over the sea. They carry intense cargo. They cross over the most violent storms and waves that we've ever known for centuries. Yet these ships can be controlled and moved with a little tiny part they call a rudder, the back of the boat. So it is with our words. Then he goes on to say, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. One Tiny little match can make things change, right? 
this little guy can do this. Just like that. One spark sets an entire forest on fire. So it is with our words. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Humans have tamed snakes, elephants, camels, horses, lions, okay? Big lions, too many big lions, hey? Over the years, Shandor has built up a very special relationship with Zavu. He absolutely loves me. I absolutely love him. He loves being, his mind being messed up, uh, jumping on trees, going for walks. But his favorite thing he loves me to do to him is massage his feet. It's one of his absolute favorite things. Oh, footies, you love it. <laughs> We've tamed lions. We massage the feet of lions. can't tame the tongue. We have tamed all kinds of powerful, wild, violent animals. We can't tame the tongue. He says it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. The, the Greek word there literally is snake venom. It's lethal. We can assassinate people with our words. It's a deadly weapon. The rest of our passage really gets to the heart of the matter. Verse 9, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. This should not be, but it be, right? Right? It be, though. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It shouldn't be, but it be all up in our lives, Right? We say the wrong thing, and then we come to church, and we're just like, oh, the reckless love of God. And then we're like so mad at our spouse or our kids or like our frenemy, whoever it is, we use our words in the negative. Our words cause fires. How does this play out for us? How does this play out 2,000 years after James penned these words? Uh, number one, gossip. It plays out in gossip. You knew we were going here. You remember the Olympic skier by the name of Peekaboo Street? Okay, here's a picture of her. She won uh, the gold medal a few years ago in the Super G. Uh, but she's more than a famous skier and more than a famous American hero. Uh, in fact, I don't know if you have heard this or not, but between training on the slopes and traveling worldwide to compete, she managed to get an education and earn a degree in nursing. Early in her nursing career, she worked briefly in the ICU of a large metropolitan hospital. And she did outstanding work, but there was a problem. The head of nursing uh, had to tell her not to answer the phone in ICU because of the confusion it caused callers. Callers would be connected to ICU and hear Peekaboo say in her best voice, Peekaboo, ICU. It's a true story, okay? I heard that somewhere. No, Peekaboo is not a nurse. She has never been a nurse. And as far as I know, she never wanted to be a nurse. Peekaboo, I see you. It was just a rumor. But Peekaboo had this problem. She had to address this because this went around. Peekaboo had a problem, and so do we. We simply cannot resist the temptation to spread a good story, whether it's true or not. Like the one about Pop Rocks and Pepsi. You heard about this? Uh, 
in the ni- early 1980s, the, the kid who ate some Pop Rocks and drank Pepsi and then he exploded. His name was John Gilchrist. He was the actor who played Little Mikey in the Life cereal commercials, right? He was at a party and he had some Pop Rocks, he had some Pepsi, and now he's gone. Now, that's why Pop Rocks was taken off the market in the early 1980s. I heard this from multiple people growing up. The truth is that John Gilchrist never exploded. In fact, he's alive and well today. Um, Pop Rocks and Pepsi doesn't produce death. It just produces like a little burp, okay? <laughs> and, and so just to dismantle this rumor, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give it a shot right now. Some of you are having mini panic attacks right now because you heard those rumors too. Let's just give it a shot real fast. You guys hear it? Okay, hold on. What's going to happen? I told my wife I was going to do this. And she goes, no, John, don't. I go, babe, nothing's going to happen. She goes, how do you know for sure? The makers of Pop Rocks had to work hard to squelch the rumor, even writing thousands and thousands of letters to principals of elementary schools. All because of a rumor. Proverbs 26 says this, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. There simply isn't anything good about gossip. And there are at least four different types of gossip. See if you can find yourself here. Number one, chit-chat. It's the type that says, did you hear that the Simmons are moving? Okay. It's often basic information without harmful intent, and it doesn't have harmful results. Okay. This is the most basic form, and it's okay. Number two, there's prying. You know someone who's going through a rough patch in their marriage, so you ask their close friend, hey, how's Sean and Catherine doing? You're just wanting to know every detail. And if you're wondering if I used a Bachelor reference, I did. (laughs) Number two, three, there's prayer request. This is where you pretend you're sharing something so the other person can pray for them, but really you just want to tell them the juicy gossip. Okay, and uh, this is often preceded by phrases like, bless her heart. As in, bless her heart. Mary Beth has put on a little extra weight. We need to pray for her. Bless her heart. It's gossip. Finally, there's the juice. The juice is rare. This is where you hear something, and it's so juicy that immediately you have to call your BFF and tell them what you just heard. The juice is usually preceded by phrases, OMG, or you're never going to believe this. How many of you guys have been juicing this week? Okay. (laughs) There's a great Christian virtue in simply holding your tongue. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, the German Christian martyr of the Second World War, said that there was a special ministry for those who held their tongue. He wrote this, Often we combat our evil thoughts most effectively if we absolutely refuse them to be expressed in words. The great spiritual awakening begins with a simple step, shutting our mouths. Uh, James also teaches us, be Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Does this describe your intense fellowships with your spouse? Quick to listen, 
slow to speak, slow to become angry. Here's a tongue twister for you. I'm going to try and get through it. It's going to be tough. Here we go. A tree toad loved a she toad who lived up in a tree. He was a two toed tree toad, but a three toed toad was she. The two toed tree toad tried to win the three toed she toad's heart. For the two toed tree toad loved the ground that the tree toad three toad trod. But the two toed tree toad tried in vain. He couldn't please her whim. From her tree toad bower with her three toed power, she toad vetoed him. It's impossible. If only we could just tame it. If we could capture it and go, do what I say, do what I want. But we can't. It's an uncontrollable fire. It's uncontrollable. It's untamable. What's the answer? We must always keep guard of our, of our mouth, of our tongue, of our speech. We can't give it freedom to roam relentlessly because it's a deadly poison. A Jewish newspaper once described gossip as this, the most deadly bug... It has neither legs nor wings. It is composed entirely of tails, and most of them have stings. That's good. There's a Jewish fable of a woman who was uh, always talking and telling stories. Couldn't keep her mouth shut. Couldn't keep a secret. Couldn't keep her mouth shut all across town. And finally, she began to feel a little bit of conviction, so she went to the town rabbi, and she said, Rabbi, I am struggling with what I say, and I, I speak falsehoods, I, I, I lie, I tell stories, I tell secrets, I just, I can't stop. What can I do? What's the cure? And she says, the rabbi says, please go get your pillow from home. So she goes, runs to her house, she gets the pillow, she brings it back to the rabbi, and he says, now go to the town square with this pillow, and grab a knife, and cut it open, and fling all the feathers out. And she goes, okay, great, I'll do it, I'll do anything. So she goes to get her pillow. She goes to the town hall. She grips it open, sheds out all the feathers. They go flying everywhere. She goes back to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, I did exactly what you said. All the feathers are all over. I spread it right in the middle of town square. And he says, great, now there's one thing left. Go and collect all those feathers and put them back into your pillow so you can sleep at night. She says, that's impossible. They're everywhere. And he said, so it is with words. You can't, once you say it, you can't bound it back up and sleep on it nice and neat. It's out there, never to come back again. We must watch what we say. What you say and how you say matters. Pass on the gossip. That's not loving people. The second way this plays out for us is negativity. Some of you are negative Nancy, okay? Uh, you always see the negative. Uh, some of you would say, my cup overflows. And some of you would say, you're spilling all over the place. There's nothing wrong with seeing the potential negative in a situation. We need people like that. But there's also a danger to that mindset. It becomes, I, all, I see the negative at times. That quickly becomes, you only see the negative. You always see the negative can really, truly become, I only see the negative. When I was a kid, there were lots of things I wanted to grow up to be. But I think this might be true for everyone. I've never brought this out publicly. But I really think that there's a sense in all of us that there was one point in our life where we kind of wanted to be a cowboy. Uh, I don't know what, what, City Slickers played a role in that for me, watching it in the 90s uh, with Billy Crystal. But this dream of being a cowboy still ranks high. 
What's the big attraction between, behind the cowboy persona? I think, maybe, just maybe, it's in the cowboy theme song that we all know. Home, home on the range, where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word, and the skies are not cloudy all day. I didn't even know the words of this song. Like, a discouraging word? I didn't know that was in that song. I was like, a discouraging herd? Like, I thought it was like, <laughs> I was like a herd of cows, and they were like, sad. Where seldom is heard a discouraging word. Sometimes it's hard for us to imagine such a place. From the moment we turn on the, the news, we're bombarded with discouraging words all day long. And being out on the ranch, in the field, just me and my horse, you're not going to hear a discouraging word. Often in our homes, our default is anger, frustration, rather than joy and encouragement. Why are we so negative at home? First, negative comments are often a way that we try to modify the behavior of someone else. So parents put down their kids, uh, wives insult their husbands, husbands malign their wives, because they believe this is the best way to express our displeasure and help them to change. But criticizing and being negative isn't the best way to bring about life change. Love is. Love is. So rather than being negative and criticizing, and dare I say, nagging, we love in a greater capacity. Love is the best way to correct behavior. This morning, we were in a prayer meeting, 915, and everyone's welcome here. 915, we're in the room next door. We have a great time. Just praying for God to continue to move in our church. And, uh, and we were in this prayer meeting, and I was talking about how there's just a sense of offense and negativity at times um, in, in the church. And I've seen it in the lives of some of our staff members and people being discouraged and easily offended and, and then that just taking such a, a, a toll and it just moves on a downward spiral. And we're like, no, 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 the enemy wants to use that kind of stuff. And then someone said, man, well, I really feel that it's like seeds. That sometimes throughout the day, there are seeds that are planted to us that are negative. And if we water them, they'll grow and breed negativity and criticism and discouragement. The same is true with love. That if you were to plant seeds of love and water those, those good thoughts of love, compassion, and mercy towards the other person that may have offended you, if you water those, they'll grow. You water what you choose. You have the choice you can water the negativity and harbor that bitterness and it will grow. Or you can water love and drown out the negativity and watch love thrive in your life and in your relationships. Some of you are like, you don't understand. My kids are crazy. I have asked them nicely and lovingly thousands of times. So finally I snap and I lose it. I get it. What if the other person doesn't change? What if they still behave badly and irritate you? Do we get a pass on being loving and encouraging? No, we don't get a pass. Even in the midst of their misbehavior, we don't control that. We control our own choices 
our own words. Doesn't matter what the results may be, God desires us to learn and lead in love. Your focus will determine your feelings. What's your focus? Corey Ten Boom said this If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. You sick of criticism, negativity, discouragement, shift your focus from the problem unto Jesus. Where are you focused? Stop it. You can even ask yourself that right now. Where are you focused? Are you focused on yourself? Are you focused on your problems? Or are you focused in on Jesus? If we lift our gaze up higher, it changes our perspective. Praying gets our focus off of hurtful words and onto the creator of the universe. Your focus will determine your feelings. Your, your focus will determine what you water. You could focus in on the negativity and be negative Nancy or negative Neil if you're a dude. God calls us to choose to see what's best in the other. Proverbs 18.21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The power of life and death. And not just the power for life and death for others, but also for you yourself. Here's a really practical tool that can help revive us in our words. Every time you say something, you should end the phrase with, and that's the way I like it. And if you're Musically inclined, you can go, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> That's the way I like it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But think about it for a minute. If you say things like, we'll always be in debt and we're never going to get out of it. And that's the way I like it. It might change the way you speak. My kids are always going to disobey. They're never going to follow the Lord. And that's the way I like it. I am always going to be overweight and I'll never be disciplined enough to get into the gym. And that's the way I like it. The reality is the words we speak are directing our course of life. The simple principle is this. If you want to see it, you're going to have to learn to say it. If you want to see it, you're going to have to learn to say it. Let's start speaking God's word over our situation. Every time we're tempted to say, man, I'm going to go bankrupt. There's no way out of this debt. We need to stop and say, I know my situation may look bleak. I know my finances might be thin, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I know my kids are acting up and they're following the wrong crowd and making some bad decisions. But Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one with his scandalous love and grace, and he's going after my kid. If you want to see it, you're going to have to learn how to say it. I want to invite Stephen and the worship band to come up. And I want to give you guys a short encouragement. I want to challenge you that with, with every person that you speak with today, and you might have to think about how this is going to play out. Um, but maybe say something encouraging. Tell your son or daughter something that will build them up. Teenagers, give a life-giving word to your parents. They probably don't hear that enough or at all. Siblings, say something kind to each other. Couples, affirm and encourage one another at least once a day. On your way out this morning, uh, you're going to be given a little tiny white feather. And it represents that 
Jewish folklore that we talked about earlier, right? And it's a tiny little feather. It can fit in your pocket. It can fit on your car, whatever. Um, But as you leave and you grab that feather, would you put it in your pocket or your purse or somewhere and as a reminder that my words matter, what I say truly matters, positive and negative. And would that be a reminder for you to follow the Spirit's lead, to choose to water the love rather than the negative, to choose to speak the truth rather than the gossip? God, I pray in Jesus' name that may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. And I pray that for our whole church. God, forgive me for the ways in which I have failed at this. So true. I have messed up. I have got mad at my kids or yelled, gotten upset or disagreed vehemently with my spouse. God, forgive me for the ways in which I fail at this all the time. And I pray, God, for all of us that we would, um, yeah, just be sensitive to your Spirit's leading. To let love burst forth in bloom amidst winter. God, I pray that we would see the power of our words and use that for the good. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here in this place just this morning and you're like, man, I've been so negative. I just sense that God wants to free you from that, to give you a new perspective, to choose to see the good. And it's not only going to affect the happiness of others and the person you're harboring resentment towards, but it's also going to affect your happiness and your life and your love. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you this morning and you know, and, and I got my eyes closed too, if that's you, just kind of as a, as, a, as a symbol of, I know that I need to work on this. I need to work on controlling my tongue, my speech. And I want God's help. As an acknowledgement of that, would you just be able to just lift up your hand real fast? Just lift it up. And by raising your hand, you're saying, that's me and I want to make a change. I want to speak life, not death. My tongue can be a fire, but it can also be something that brings about life. And so God, as many of us are raising our hands, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a, it's a symbol to say, God, I, I'm owning it. I've messed up and I want to be better. And so Jesus, take us where you want us to go. We're not there yet. Some of us, may, we feel like we're in the wilderness, but God, we pray that you take us where you want us to go. Spirit, move us. Father, lead us. Take us to that new place. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we close with this song, declaring, Father, move us. Spirit, lead us. Take us to where you want us to go as a community and us as individuals further into the great love of God.